welcome to my deck and the sound of birds in the background. Uh, it's all rather delightful to suddenly be feeling like we're in summer again. So as we've been hearing in the service today, today is called Rogation Sunday in the Anglican year. And isn't it fun to come across a new word periodically? And Anglicans love having words for things. So what is this word, rogation? Well, it comes from the Latin, actually, rogare, which means to ask. So what exactly are we asking for today? Don't we ask for things every single Sunday? What's so different about this Sunday? Well, in four days' time, it's Ascension. And Ascension is the day when we remember when after Jesus died and resurrected that he uh, went from earth up to heaven. He ascended into heaven. And so Ascension is this wonderful day which marks very much the end of Jesus' time on earth and the beginning of him being separate but the Holy Spirit being in us and that wonderful sense of anticipation as we ask Jesus to come again and we look for him to come again. And that day when we know that uh, when he returns, that the kingdom of God can more fully be known on this earth. So Ascension is a special day. It's a day where there's this almost tangible link between Jesus being on earth and then in heaven. And so we remember it. And before really special days in, in the Christian calendar, we normally have a period of waiting, expecting, longing. So just before, you might remember just before Easter, we had the period of Lent where we waited and expected uh, to remember Jesus' death and resurrection. And before Christmas every year, we have Advent where, again, we wait and uh, pray and think very intentionally about Christ's birth. Well, you can think about this as a little mini, a mini waiting period before Ascension, four days of rogation special time. I wonder how good you are at waiting. Um, particularly perhaps if you're hungry and thirsty, waiting can be really, really tricky. And we heard just now that beautiful passage from Isaiah when God talks about how he is going to refresh us when we're waiting, when we're really thirsty. Like when you've been playing outside on a really hot day and you come in and you're just longing for that drink, cold drink waiting with expectation and Jesus meeting it. And all of us are waiting for all sorts of things at the moment. We're waiting for lockdown to finish, quarantine to finish. We're waiting for being able to meet up again with friends and family. And so all of us can totally understand with our bodies, minds and hearts what waiting is like right now. So kids, perhaps if um, you're feeling like doing something different than listening to me or grown-ups, you might want to draw a picture of what it's like to wait. Or write a poem or maybe find that passage in Isaiah it was chapter 41 verses 17 to 20 and read it again and see if you can draw a picture of it we'd love to see it at show until either before or after the service um, next week or after the service today if zoom is working what is it like to wait so these days of rogation are also somewhat centered around the earth waiting, the sense of the earth waiting for the anticipation of the fullness of the kingdom of heaven. And so one thing that we can do when we are waiting is take stock. Take stock of what, uh, what we have, what we're expecting. Take stock of where we are. And the first thing I'm going to suggest we can take stock of today is our geography. 
the physical God's physical provision of all that we have around us, land and people. Okay, now you can't talk about the earth without a Wendell Berry quote. Um, I just have to have one somewhere. So a Wendell Berry quote for this would be, he said, no matter how much one may love the world as a whole, one can only live fully in it by living responsibly in some small part of it. And each of us has been given a small part of this earth to take responsibility for. So on this Rogation Sunday, I'm going to ask you to take stock of where you are. Take stock of what God has given you to be responsible for. There's a lovely old tradition in the UK, which I've spoken about before, called Beating the Bounds, where each year the parish priest would take some young boys, young um, so that they would live a long time and remember, and take them around the edges of the parish and with willow wands would beat the corners of the parish. Actually, to begin with, they beat the boys uh, and eventually, I guess, um, child protection said you shouldn't really beat the boys, so beat the ground instead. But they wanted the kids to have a, a physical memory of where the end boundaries of the parish were so that um, they knew, they knew exactly what they, the area of land that they were physically responsible for. When we started Incarnation a couple of years ago, we did a lot of work on the art of neighboring. And one of the challenges we each had was to get to know the eight neighbors either side of our house or our apartment, the people who um, border you. And if you have lost that piece of paper or if you've joined us since then, can I ask you to get it out, to draw a little grid even now, sort of like a tic-tac-toe grid and um, recognize who you know and who you don't know, just take the time, hover as you socially distancely walk around your neighborhood to pause outside those houses, to get to know the people inside them, to know what their, their hopes and fears are. One of the things we don't beat the bounds anymore, but one of the things we do encourage at Incarnation is prayer walking. So last Saturday, Simon and I made sure that we'd walked up and down all the streets of our neighborhood Glen Carlin pausing and praying blessing on our neighbors everywhere we went. It's a good thing to do. I encourage you to do that. And as you do it, to do bear in mind all the, the things that we do when we prayer walking. We, we wonder about the people. We pray for blessing and protection on those who are struggling, particularly in the season, maybe because they're medical and they're on the front line of fighting uh, COVID. Maybe because they're lonely or isolated, living alone. Maybe it's because they're struggling with um, difficult situations within those homes. So let me encourage you to do that. Go out, walk your streets, walk your corridors of your apartment complex. Get to know the people around you and pray for them. Secondly, we could take provision take notice of stock of God's provision of the things that we have that grow. So at the moment, someone kindly gave Simon and me some tomato plants the other day. So we're going to pray over them and pray that God will make them fruitful. Perhaps you growing a little garden on your balcony. I know Kim is. We've seen her pictures. I know many of you are keen gardeners. Pray for God's blessing on those little seedlings. But in addition, we need to be very mindful that at the moment, the food production system in this country and around the world is struggling with COVID. So pray for uh, protection of those who are working in meat factories, for farmers, for 
production lines, for, for the drivers who drive the food around, for people who work in grocery stores, people who are at higher risk of contracting COVID in this season. Will you pray for justice, for food for all, that um, those, the poor and the hungry should get access to food? We need to listen out for where God is encouraging us to be people who speak for justice, people who are promoting food security, asking the Lord to bless our food. But thirdly, you need to take stock of God's provision for you personally. I wonder how well equipped you feel to um, handle this new season of life that we are in. So let's take a moment to take stock of how God does provide for us. And if you've got your Bibles handy, you might want to go back to that passage in John, which I read a few minutes ago, because that talks so clearly about the way that God provides for us. In that passage, Jesus uses the metaphor of a vine. And the metaphor of a vine was one that Jews would have been very familiar with. God often spoke about the way that Israel was the vine. And a vine was one, in fact, of the seven symbols of Israel for many, for many years. And as, for example, before God took the um, Israelites out of Egypt, there were predictions about, or prophecies about when we get to the promised land, there we will have vines dripping with fruit. And in Psalmists often refer to or use the, um, the idea or the image of, of vines for God's fruitfulness. That lovely picture of a, of a vine, heavy, laden with fruit. But also occasionally in the Old Testament, you will hear references to vines which have gone rogue, which have gone wild, and, and God sort of bemoaning Israel when they have not listened to him and when they have not paid attention to his goodness. And now in this um, passage from John, Jesus puts himself and he says, I am the true vine. And as Jesus does that, um, he asks and invites his disciples to be to be grafted onto the vine with his father as the vine dresser. Now, honestly, I haven't ever grafted a vine, so I'm not quite sure of the whole process of getting a branch and grafting it on. But another analogy, which is Jesus often uses, is of a body. And I can picture my arm being kind of grafted on to this body. So I, the image of a branch and a vine is very similar to an arm and a body being put together. And, uh, you know, because then the, the blood flows, the, the nerves flow, it's all connected. There isn't any sense of differentiation between the two. We are at one in Jesus's body. And the word he uses for this grafting is abide and he uses it 10 times in 10 verses abide abide and when you look at a dictionary definition abide can mean that you accept something often we'd more likely say we can't abide something but we can abide it's about remaining stable continuing in place enduring without yielding conforming and confirming so what does jesus say that abiding means for us well, first of all, he says that if we abide in him, then he will abide in us as a mutuality of outcome. Just like blood pump pumping through a body, so sap moves through the whole vine, not distinguishing between branches, bringing nourishment throughout the vine. He goes on and says, abide and bear fruit, 
if we abide in Jesus, we become a part of the fruitfulness of his life. A vine without a fruit isn't any good to anyone. But as we are a part of Jesus, he is the one who brings the fruitfulness. And every branch has that potential. But in order to bear fruit, Jesus goes on, we need to abide and be pruned. To be fruitful, you have to be pruned. You have to allow this Holy Spirit and the Heavenly Father to train us and clip away the parts that are unhealthy or unfruitful. Abide. Abide with Jesus' words abiding in you. And we abide in Jesus' words through prayer and through reading scripture, soaking in truth day by day, even if it's little chunks, even if it's just going, reading a verse or two. We need to engage in the regular discipline of abiding in his word. And then he says, abide in his love. Don't reject it. Don't walk away from it and allow it to seep into you. Jesus says that uh, he loves us the way his father loves him. And as I sat and reflected about the way Jesus' father loves him this week, I I imagined the way I, I read through some of those accounts and I remembered how uh, Jesus knows that his father loves him through words of affirmation, through the ways that they engage through prayer. I have no doubt that uh, Jesus felt the Holy Spirit speaking to him as he went taught and went out and about, as he reached out to heal people. The love of the Father for Jesus was active and practical. He taught Jesus how to be Jesus. And finally, to be honest, abiding is surprisingly passive. It implies a lack of striving, a lack of struggle. It conveys dependence and connection. As a vine branch, you can't force the fruit or redirect the sap. You can't dictate the amount of nutrients you get or whether the rain will fall. And so as vine branches, we do need to learn how to abide and to recognize that abiding places us in a safe place, somewhere where our emotional energy goes from self-protection to creativity where our muscles go from fighting and straining to relaxing and resting, energy redirected towards Jesus. So as we take stock at the moment of how God has provided for us, I wonder if you could take some time of just settling in somewhere to recognizing how Jesus is welcoming you to abide in him. As we heard from Peter's epistle, Pete also talks about the ways that we abide. He talks about us doing it through blessing, through seeking peace, through being people who wait hope, filled with hope for Jesus to return. And so that's what we're doing today and in these next few days. We're taking stock, we're waiting for Jesus, and we're anticipating the day when Jesus will come again knowing that we do so from a position of ultimate security. Nestle down, nestle down into that acceptance of your place as a vine branch. I'm going to have a few moments of silence now. And as we do it, I'm going to invite you to listen to your breath. Listen to the sounds around you. Take stock as you wait being thankful for God's provision of place, of our neighbours, 
our context, to wait being thankful for God's provision of food and resources, to wait being thankful for our position as branches grafted in to the true vine. Take some moments of quiet and ask for God for certainty as you wait. Ask for the Holy Spirit to be at work in you, nourishing you spiritually, producing fruit. And ask God to quench your thirst as you wait and provide shade for your soul. And if you have questions or doubts or worries, don't let those alarm you. Call me. There are lots of opportunities to call me. And let's talk and pray and go for a real walk or a virtual walk. I'd love to be able to be alongside you as you work out what it means to abide in the Lord. Amen.